Welcome. We're delighted to have you join us today for the SST convocation. I'm Kathy Meyer-Reimer. I'm a professor in the education department. And I'm Paul Meyer-Reimer. I'm a professor in the physics department. And last year at this very time, we and this group and some who've already graduated were in uh, Dar es Salaam in the middle of language classes and um, move that to the next one. Language and culture classes uh, in a very different place and time and environment. So today we are going to be sharing some from those experiences. And this is uh, in the between the study portion of SST uh, in the city of Dar es Salaam and the service portion of SST, which we all did together in the same province of, of Mara in northwestern Tanzania. Uh, we. Uh, traveled from one to the other, and we traveled through the Serengeti. And this is a picture of the group at the end of the trip uh, through the Serengeti after we've been camping for two or three days. So different ones of us will be sharing different aspects of the trip. Hi, my name is Janae, and I'm a senior history major. This morning, I am lucky enough to have my host mother from Dar es Salaam, uh, Takasa Wambora, and she's visiting Goshen here right now. Thank you. My name is Takasa Wambura from Tanzania. My husband, John Wambura, is the assistant coordinator for SST Tanzania. And I'm the one who hosted Diné in Tanzania last year. So we stayed with Diné in our house for six weeks. And she is my daughter. And <laughs> We, she is a good girl because we shared many things in our, our house and we went to church together and uh, she played with my children and had fun together. So uh, she, learned, she learned more things in our culture, in our country. So I'm happy with Dine and today, I'm visited here college kindergarten and other centers for learning more about children's education here in America. So I'm so happy today to be here with you and welcome Tanzania. Thank you. So during the study portion of SST, I lived with Takasa's family in a little neighborhood um, outside the city of Dar es Salaam called Nyantira. And uh, my host family was incredibly generous and welcoming. I have a, a picture, let's see, oh, of um, Takasa and John, her husband, on the field day that they invited all of us to where we um, played games with the children at the school that they started. Um, Takasa said she's learning about um, children's education here in the U.S., and that's because she's a kindergarten teacher in Tanzania, and she and her husband founded a school for the children in their neighborhood um, who wouldn't, weren't able to otherwise afford to go to school because of um, money as well as distance. Um, so in addition to those two, there are lots of children in their family. Um, let's see. So um, Takasa has five children and a house full of guests all the time. So um, Joseph, Oba, Agnes, Joram, and Amani are her children, and they're all up there, as well as two of the wonderful women who worked in their house, um, Linda and Mama Tom, 
and their niece, Eliza. Um, and Takasa's husband, John, in addition to um, being the SST uh, coordinator in country in Tanzania and starting this school, um, is the uh, general, general secretary? Yeah. General secretary of the Mennonite Church of Tanzania. And so that's the, he's the leader of the denomination. And um, they, despite all of their busyness, made lots of time to show me all of the different cultural aspects of um, their life. And we, uh, on my birthday, uh, which is just about a year ago, uh, they had a wonderful uh, goat slaughtering event and um, <laughs> invited lots of church leaders over as well as some of the other SSTers and some German volunteers that we had gotten to know and we had a great celebration. Um, they were very patient with my language ability and eager to explain um, different things that I didn't understand as they happened, so of which there were many. Um, so um, let's see. Right before I left for my service placement, we had a celebration um, with all of our host families, and Takasa generously had dresses made for her and I um, to match, so that's one of the pictures you can see. And we were lucky enough to run into each other actually during the second half of SST when I was living several, many hours away, and she came up for a visit during a um, celebration that was going on, and that's the other picture that's up there. Um, and then I was also lucky enough to have, this is my American family with John, Takasa's husband, who's not here right now, but he was here this past summer for Mennonite church meetings in Orlando, and then he came up to visit Goshen. So I have been blessed with an unusual um, ability to continue a relationship with my host family, and I'm so grateful to have them here. So thank you. Hi, my name is Lana. I'm a senior public relations major, and this is Ben, and this is Agnes. We will be sharing about our experience with the home language of Tanzania, which is Swahili. Our education with Swahili began the semester before we left with a four-credit Swahili class taught by Agnes. Some of you may know or recognize Agnes as a nursing student uh, here on campus but she has also served as the Swahili professor for the last two units. We continued our education while in Dar es Salaam with six weeks of Swahili every morning. First of all, I would like to uh, give thanks to those who have been participating to make uh, students learn Swahili and travel to Tanzania and come back safely. A lot have been done here in Goshen community and in Tanzania to make this program work. And if you are the among, who, among the people who participated, we will give you thanks. And if you know anybody who is not here who supported this program, please thank the, uh, send the word of, of appreciation to them. Uh, I've been teaching Swahili since 2010. Since then, uh, more students have got a chance uh, to learn this uh, language and uh, uh, have chance to stay in Tanzania and learn some more. And uh, 
some of the students after graduating, they got a chance to work in Tanzania uh, and Zambia. So this opened the window of opportunity to many students. Uh, there are many opportunities in the world, but uh, language is, is still a barrier. So uh, uh, I'm so glad that Goshen College give students a chance to learn Swahili so as to minimize the barriers uh, which caused by language. Learning Swahili is uh, like going to a roller coaster ride. Uh, it makes you feel excited and challenged at the same time. Swahili has just five vowels. Once you know A, A, E, O, U, you can read it, especially for English speakers. Once you know five vowels, you can read it. So my students have been having fun. The first day of the class, they are able to read it. And that makes them, give them energy to keep reading. And it, it gets a little challenge, uh, challenging when uh, uh, we reach to noun classes because it has eight, nine, uh, eight noun classes which are, are not, you can't translate them in English. It's just a unique way. That is the part which is a little hard. So I encourage my, uh, those who want to try and use this chance to learn language, please feel free to, to try. Uh, uh, ben is gonna come with a sentence uh, which will help us to just to see how this language works. Um, yeah, I think a lot of us were a little um, intimidated by the language going in, um, but we did find um, that with wonderful teachers like Agnes and the people in Dar es Salaam and a lot of our friends um, who are so encouraging and patient with us, we learned more than we were expecting in this three-month period. So yeah, we'll just give you a little taste of what Swahili is like and then pick out a few lessons from this one sentence. So the sentence is, Anakwenda hotelini kwa baiskeli kununua chai nzuri, which means um, she or he is going to the hotel on bicycle to buy good chai. If you have noticed, there is no distinction between a man and a woman. Uh, uh, if you look at uh, the first part of the sentence, Anakwenda, I represent she and he. So that is the thing which is different from English. And in Na, uh, represent a tense, a present tense. And Kwenda, is go. So if you see, the verb is connected to uh, prefixes of uh, uh, pronoun and tense, they are connected together. And another facet of Swahili that makes it unique is the noun class, so the chai and zuri part, good chai. Um, there are eight different noun classes to which nouns are organized. For this example, the word Chai is in the N noun class, which means that the adjective nzuri has the N prefix in front of it when placed with chai. Um, one final lesson we can pick out of the sentence is how many different languages have influenced Swahili um, throughout its history. So you can see a few words up there that you might recognize. Chai um, comes from Hindi, 
Um, hotelini is kind of derived from hotel, from English. So there are those, but um, there are also Arabic, um, obviously Bantu, um, Persian, Portuguese, German um, influences. So a very diverse language, which is really cool. Finally, we're going to teach you um, two short greetings that are very common in Tanzania. The first one um, is something that a younger person might um, often says to someone who is older, who, um, to whom they want to show respect. So, shika mo mwalimu. Marahaba ben. The next is um, another one that can be said between um, peers of kind of um, similar age groups. Habari za leo, Lana. Zuri, asante. So you can try those out on your Swahili-speaking friends if you like to. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm Gabriel Eisenbeis. I'm a fourth-year environmental science major. I'm Sadie Drescher, and I'm a fourth-year interdisc major. And we're going to talk about some of the common foods that we had there in Tanzania. So first off, we have chapati, uh, which you might have had before. Um, it's a flaky fried bread or pancake kind of thing. Um, and then maharage, which is the Swahili word for beans. Um, so chapati is a fairly versatile food. It can be eaten at breakfast with chai or at lunch and supper with uh, some sort of sauce or with beans. Um, and the beans are often prepared, uh, cooked with some other vegetables, or flavored with coconut, which was by far my favorite, um, and then served with rice, ugali, or uh, chapati. Uh, and next is mandazi, um, which is pretty much a Tanzanian donut. Uh, it's more dense than an American donut and less sweet, but they make up for the, the lack of sweetness by pretty much always serving it with a cup of uh, chai, which is the Swahili word for tea in general. Um, and you don't really have a choice as to how sweet your tea is, because they usually put in the sugar before they serve it to you. And it's like maybe three or four spoonfuls of sugar in one cup. <laughs> so it's pretty sweet, but it's very good. Um, and chai and chapati actually come from India, uh, but there's a lot of Indian influence, especially in Dar es Salaam. Um, and interestingly enough, the, the most popular brand of chai uh, was chai bora which literally translates into the best tea, or excellent tea. Uh, and last, there's chipsy mayai. Uh, chipsy is the word for fries, and mayai is the word for eggs. So they pretty much just put a bunch of fries and oil into a pan, uh, scramble two or three eggs, and pour it on top to make an omelet um, that's served with a little bit of salt on the side, maybe some vegetables, uh, tomato, onion, cabbage. Um, and then this sauce that was pretty much everywhere. It's kind of like ketchup, but an off-brand and a little bit more spicy. Um, so all this food was very good. Uh, it was cheap. You could buy quite a bit of it for about one US dollar. Um, and you can find it anywhere. Probably every 200 meters or so, you could find a little shop selling all of this stuff. So we ended up eating quite a bit of it, especially uh, during our lunch breaks during study term. All right, so another important food that we would eat is ugali, which is basically just one of the main starches besides rice. Um, and you make it with some sort of flour, whether that be cassava, corn, um, finger millet, or sorghum. Um, and then you um, add that into boiling water and keep stirring as you add more and more and keep stirring until it turns into a solid. Um, and this one definitely takes a lot of muscles um, to make. 
Um, and you then, um, when it's prepared, you pick off little pieces and roll them into a ball and eat them with the different foods that, that have more flavor. Um, and one of those foods is samaki, which is fish. Um, and in Tanzania, they don't fillet their fish. You just have the whole thing, um, and you pick off the meat with your rice or your gali. Um, and there are also smaller fish that are like the size of minnows that mix, are mixed with a sauce called daga. Those are really good too. Um, and then mboga mboga is just basically any green vegetable. Um, and so sometimes that's a leafy green, like similar to a spinach. Um, or like the picture on the right, um, that's melenda, which is uh, made with okra and it, other ingredients that make it into a slimy kind of texture that you pick up with the ugali. Um, some people were a little afraid of this, but it, it's interesting and it's good. Um, and then lastly, we just want to talk about matunda, which is fruit. Um, we could get this on the street, fresh, cut up right in front of us. It was awesome. Um, uh, some of the pictures up there are guava, jackfruit, coconut, watermelon, um, mangoes, and bananas. It was delicious. Um, and so for what I did for my project was I created a little recipe book um, of some of the different important recipes to us that we had during our stay. Um, and I also wrote about some different cultural practices around food in there, too. So my name is Maddie, um, and like Sadie, I did a book as my final project. Is this... um, I wrote and illustrated a book on Congo, which is this very distinct fabric that you see hanging up everywhere. Um, and it has, this is just, I threw up some photos of my pages just to give you a sense of what it looked like. Um, so it's a lot easier to understand visual details if you can illustrate them. Um, and then I ended with <laughs> um, some portraits of women in my host family, um, just modeling the different kinds of congas. So you could see the versatility of how they're worn and the functionality. Um, the picture on the very right is actually my three-year-old host sister, fresh from her bath with a conga wrapped around her. I thought it was adorable. Um, so I was really drawn to these congas because they were everywhere. Like I would say probably every single woman in Tanzania owns at least one, if not more. Um, and I was drawn to them because, as you can see, they're incredibly bright and patterned, um, very distinctive. But as I was researching, I learned that more than the design and the color, the saying on each conga was actually the most important part. Um, and if you notice, every conga has um, a little strip of a phrase on the bottom. I don't know if you can see that from your seats, um, but it's the most important part. And this um, stems back to about the 1800s when phrases were first started putting on congas. And this was because at this time in Swahili culture, um, women weren't really allowed to express grievances or um, discomfort or really any kind of negative opinion. Um, it was seen as kind of a degradation to their honor if they did. Um, so they got around this by wearing them on their clothes. So they would print these phrases of jealousy or love um, and then just wear them around and kind of convey that message that way. Um, so an example would be if a woman in your complex was, um, you know, gossiping about you, you might go to the market and you might buy a conga that says something highly idiomatic and really hard to translate, like, um, my heart is innocent or gossip hurts my feelings, and you would wear this around and other women would see it and take note and see it as kind of a valid rebuttal, and you got to protect your honor because you didn't exactly vocalize it. 
Um, so today, the sayings on congas are still the most important part, um, although gender roles for women have shifted and that's not so much of an issue, um, but they're very important gifts to give, especially from daughters to mothers. Um, so if you're gonna buy your mother a conga, you wouldn't buy a blue one because blue is her favorite color. You would have to buy the one that said something like, mothers are the greatest gifts in the world and you should cherish them forever. So it's something very complimentary that she can wear around. Um, so knowing all that, um, when we arrived in Tanzania, we were extremely sweaty. We had very broken Swahili. Uh, we broke basically every social taboo unknowingly, <laughs> um, all of them. And that's basically how we arrived to our host families on study. Um, so, and a lot of us women in the group got congas as gifts from our host families. Um, and when one of the first few weeks of study, um, Lydia's family presented her with this conga that they chose based on the saying that she could wear it around and kind of convey this message to her community. And basically what was written on the conga was, forgive me for my mistakes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lydia Hartman-Kaiser, and I'm a senior elementary education major. And I'm Hannah, also a senior. And we are here to talk about church in Tanzania. Hannah and I uh, both attended Sinza Mennonite Church while we were on um, study. And that top right picture is my host sister, Celine, in front of our church. Um, and I would say church was a time when you wore your nicest clothes, so kind of similar to what you see some of us wearing here is what people would wear to church. Um, and church services typically lasted about three hours minimum, at least at our church, and we heard that that was pretty common across Tanzania too. Um, this church was actually um, my host family. I stayed at the building with the church and lived with the pastor's family and various other members, so I kind of had a... Um, a background look of how the church functions. And um, various members of my host family were a part of the choir and the, the teachers who created the music. And so I um, was invited to like sit and practice and learn the songs. And that picture is me in the choir act during a Sunday performance. But music is very important for the church. Uh, there are three different types of music in a service. The first is um, songs, somewhat like hymns, that come from um, a book of hymns that the whole entire Mennonite uh, church uses. And it's also important to note that we were all in Christian families and most of us were among Mennonite congregations. The second type of music was praise and worship music, where these songs would typically last a while and were just that praise and worship with um, long prayers, um, in it. And then the last was Choir, which was a group of members of the, among the church who would meet and practice songs and then perform them for the congregation. And they'd also um, perform them for other events and travel and make videos. And I wrote in my journal after the first day of church that two things were very apparent about Choir and music in church. that. One, you sing loudly, and two, you sing with lots of repetition. And that was a lot of fun, but can also be very overwhelming at times, too. Um, but this was true from the beginning of my SST experience to the end. Um, very loud music, lots of repetition, but lots of fun. And choirs performed in church, but the music was 
widely loved and um, played at home as well. So my sisters would love to come home from church on Sunday afternoons and dance and sing to choir music, and it was just a lot of fun. So. Um, this is a picture on uh, service, and Anna and I were actually in the choir of that church, and we're celebrating the new building, so we actually had service in the skeleton of the new church building. The top picture here is an example of a choir at a large church celebration. There were actually like 10 choirs there. Um, and then that bottom picture was my church on service. Um, as you can see, there are just kind of wooden benches there and kind of a makeshift roof, but that was my church on service. Um, we would like to share a song from um, Tanzania churches. This is a very popular song. It's sung every single Sunday and every single Sunday in lots of churches. Um, we have a little 20 second video for you to like hear it actually in Tanzania and then we're going to sing it for you and you're welcome to sing along because we will have the words to it. So if the rest of the SSTers would stand. My name is Laura Hostetler, and I'm an interdisciplinary major. And my name is Kayla Gray, and I'm an environmental science major. There are so many things we could talk about from our SST experience, like the time I got bit by a tondu and lost the feeling in my shoulder. <laughs> or the time I got to hold a baby crocodile. Or the time I delivered two babies at the clinic where I was working at on service. Or the time, oh wait, multiple times my kindergartners poop themselves during school. <laughs> but instead we're going to talk about our safari through the Serengeti and Ngorongoro Crater. After the first five weeks of study, we got to spend five days camping out in tents and driving around in land cruisers with some amazing guides who answered all our questions about the Maasai, animals, Swahili language, and so on. On our first day of the trip, we visited Ngorongoro Crater, where two awesome things happened. The first was that we were able to get our first glances at some incredible animals like elephants and giraffes, Cape buffalo, and many more. 
And the second thing was that our guides cooked us some dank mashed potatoes. And it was, it's the little things, folks. <laughs> the second day, we got to look out onto the Old Divide Gorge, where Mary Leakey became famous for discovering fossils of the earliest homonyms and, at the Latoli site, footprints that were preserved in volcanic ash from way back when. While in the Serengeti, we were able to experience one of the world's most spectacular natural events, the wildebeest migration. We learned why zebras accompany wildebeest throughout their journey. Zebras have incredible eyesight while wildebeest do not, but the wildebeest can sense when rain is coming, so their mutualistic relationship helps them to effectively migrate. The last morning in the Serengeti, after watching a cheetah stalk a baby wildebeest, we had a limited amount of time left to be in the park, so our drivers were flying down the roads. Being the good tourists that we were, everyone in my Land Cruiser was standing up so as to enjoy the view for the last remaining moments. I was looking ahead and noticed a black swarm that seemed to be approaching our vehicle. The next thing I knew, my face was bombarded with a bunch of bees. It sounded like little pebbles hitting the ground, and sure enough, there were bee parts scattered about our vehicle. Luckily, no one got stung. Lastly, we traveled to the Akoma Cultural Center, where we were greeted with chai, kahawa, and karanga, and some tribal performances. Here we met the Akoma people, who are one of over 100 tribal groups in Tanzania. We learned that this drive, tribe of around 15,000 people is putting in immense efforts to preserve their culture after being forced to leave the Serengeti National Park decades ago in order to avoid Maasai raids. Overall, this was a great way to transition from the study to the service portion of SST. Good morning, my name is Nat, and Jen and I are gonna share a little bit about our experiences on service. Um, my placement was at a school and community center for disabled people, um, and this included a wide variety of people, including people with polio, people with um, developmental disabilities, um, amputees, and a lot of deaf people. And I worked primarily with deaf carpenters in this uh, carpentry shop that you can see here, which was um, an extremely eye-opening experience. And as you can imagine, we didn't exactly have state-of-the-art tools, um, so we did a lot of hand planing and using pretty rudimentary tools, which was a really fun experience. And one of my favorite um, parts of our wood shop was this drill that we used, which as you can see is a nail that's been inserted into a drill and welded shut. Um, so on my, my service experience, I learned a lot about resourcefulness and using what you have at hand and using those uh, fairly rudimentary tools to make uh, objectively beautiful crafts of woodwork. Like Nat said, my name is Jennifer and I'm a PJCS major. There's a lot I could say about my service location, but I'm gonna tell you what kind of work I did. First, when signing up for a service location, I wanted something unrelated to teaching. I've taught swim lessons for enough years to know I'm not a teacher. Because of this, I checked a box for a safe house for girls escaping female genital circumcision. Because of course, the description had nothing to do with teaching. 
When I got to service and showed up the first day to Numba Salama, the safe house, with Janae, we were told we would be teaching a couple of different classes. Based on our skills, I let Janae handle the harder classes. Thank you, Janae. I did my best, but it was probably not what they expected. We sang head, shoulders, knees, and toes in English and Swahili, and I tried to teach them words related to the skills they were learning. I struggled with really wanting to help these girls learn, but not having the right skill set to teach those who are at very different levels. Besides teaching, I was also able, is that the right button, sorry. Okay, that's the safe house. Besides teaching, I was also um, able to experience some of the activism associated with the safe house. I attended an event for the International Day of Women where the girls sang against FGC, a roadshow that teaches children at local schools about the harms of FGC, and I attended a few home visits to check in on girls who had left the safe house and to make sure that they were secure where they were at and safe from any threats of circumcision. Thanks to my experience, I am currently writing my senior thesis on the topic of FGC and um, have looked further in researching the topic, so thank you. Hey everybody. So um, I'm Austin Weaver, I'm a senior business major, and my service placement was in Chemical Air Day, and um, I actually ended up creating a gym because I had so much free time. Um, my, my service placement was not very set in stone. Um, I was supposed to be doing construction, but it turned out that every day um, my boss would show up and I might have work and sometimes I might not. So it was kind of the luck of the draw. So when I, when I didn't have work, I spent all day trying to think of things to do, making relationships with people in the village. And um, I lived on a school of about 700 primary schoolers and 900 secondary schoolers. So my backyard was pretty busy all the time with little kids running around. Um, but I wanted to figure out something I could do for my community and also do something really fun as well. And I love fitness and weightlifting, so I decided, you know, I haven't seen a weight room or anything to do f fitness around the area for, for miles. So I might as well try to create something that could get kids to do fitness and also give me something to do when I didn't have construction to do on schools and dispensaries. So the idea started, and I started talking to people around Quimacolerde and trying to figure out if they knew what weights were like if they even knew what a bench press was. Or I, and so I was like doing hand motions and I couldn't get really through to him. But then my brother, um, Joffrey, he uh, took me to his, um, as soon as I told him, he's like, oh, Kufanya Mazawezi. And I was like, yeah, that. And so um, he took me to his neighbor. Um, his neighbor's name was Gideon. And it turns out that he had, um, are there pictures? Maybe. Oh, I do this. Oh. So it turns out <clears throat> in the 
top or the bottom right corner there, those were how he was making his barbells and his dumbbells. He was taking um, bins that he had seen um, laying around in trash and he would get cement materials, he'd mix the cement, and then he'd put any branch, any width that he would find, stick it in there, and then wait a couple days, flip it over, and do the same exact thing. So I was like, this is brilliant. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Here's, you know, so many shillings. I think it was like 70,000 shillings, which is only like $35. And I was like, find as much materials as you can. We're gonna make tons of these. So, you know, we went and we mixed a bunch of cement. We found a bunch of um, various lengths of branches and, um, and logs. And we put together this outside gymnasium. There's a pull-up bar. Um, we got pretty creative with it. But then the next step was actually getting people there. So we had all these kids that was like right next to Gideon's house. And I told Gideon, I was like, tomorrow when you go to school, I want you to tell all your friends about this. Try to get as many kids to come home with you after school and we can lift some weights and tell them that Mzungu, which means white man, Mzungu Austin is going to be training us how to lift weights. And so everybody got very excited about it. Um, and I told them, but make sure they bring uh, 100 shillings, which is like five cents, because normally the kids would go down to the village and they would use that five cents to buy a small little piece of candy. So every day I would go and get little pieces of candy, and then I told them that their incentive was you pay that 100 shillings, the five cents, to Gideon and his family for providing the weights, and I'll give you your piece of candy that you normally would have bought. And so we got about 18 to 20 regular students, um, all ages, that would come, and we would teach them how to curl, do different presses, bench, squat, and um, I still stay in contact with Gideon today, and he says that the gym is doing pretty good through WhatsApp. So um, yeah, it's one of the most crazy, awesome adventures I've ever had, so thanks.
Joshua was kind of weird. Girl, you got the ice socket. <laughs> I got some bony. I got some bony pieces in there. Yeah. <laughs> what are you eating? Is it spicy? I think it's a habanero. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty warm. Oh, that got hot really quick. He's red already. That's hot. Wheels are danced. A lot. can say that they have gone to a truly African safari, but you can come with us. Yeah, that thing looks like a Pokemon, dude. the one that found the elephant. High five. I won't show you what happened next, but we are still alive to tell the story. We are living. Even though I have shown you quite a bit, there's still so much more to it. The week after returning from service, we all went to Zanzibar, but by that time all my cameras had broken, so no videos from that. Thanks for watching! That video was pulled together by Kevin Florentin Sprung, who's our videographer of the trip. <laughs> Kept us hopping with videos, but who did go through a couple of cameras doing it. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this quick tour to Tanzania. There was a cell phone found in the men's bathroom that is in the education office if you lost your cell phone. Thank you for joining us and enjoy your day.